Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 152 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and this episode was recorded on Saturday, 29 July 2023. And uh, in good form, Chris will be joining us in just a second for a good dose of maritime history and uh, the latest cruise news. As always, a quick thank you to those of you that are listening, liking and subscribing on whatever app you choose to do so. We really appreciate the the likes, the shares and uh, the, the feedback. So thank you very, very much for that. And um, thank you to those of you that are sending in the questions. We've got another couple of crackers coming up in this show. And if uh, you do have a question, just a reminder, send it in via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on Join the Show. And uh, in the same way, you can send in a request to do a cruise review, or you can send me a fact or fiction to deliver to Chris. Now, if you've got a fact or fiction for me that you want Chris to surprise me with, you do need to reach out to Chris on his social channels, uh, predominantly on YouTube, or of course via his website, Chris frame official and uh, contact us is the way to do so but let's get this show on the road let's start talking all things cruise enjoy the show and it's not often we hear from chris chris twice in one week but it's always good to welcome him back chris frame welcome back mate thank you Yes, a bit uh, a bit less exciting this time around not being on a, not being on a ship but it's great to be back again for another week <laughs> no, you did good, mate. Some uh, good content from uh, the the experience that you had over in Sydney earlier in the week. Yeah, it was fun. It was a great event, and um, you know, it was really interesting. I think I mentioned it that that morning it was pelting down with rain, mm-hmm. and um, you think you know it's going to be an outdoor event. How's it going to go? And then you know, by the time we were walking down to the ship to board the ship, it had dried up, and then the sun came out and was literally shining right on the back decks of the ship. For the wow. entire for the entire um, uh, event, and then as people left and went inside to d- disembark the ship, uh, the clouds came over and it started tr- um, sprinkling again. So, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> um, I was told that the the organisers were up on the um, 
the top of the twin racer water slides, uh, which is the highest point. She's sort of just checking out the top of the ship and oh, really? um, sort of praying to the rain gods to, to please <laughs> hold off, hold off the rain. So um, that they obviously their prayers were answered, which was good. It was a, it was a nice way to celebrate P&O's 90th anniversary of, of cruising um, and particularly being in Sydney where that first cruise uh, set sailed from all those years ago. Uh, you, you know, and, and right there in the, in the area where the ship would have sailed past going under the bridge mm. um, was very special to have that um, harbour bridge as the backdrop. Awesome. Now, I have to say, it did surprise me that um, the godmother was there to name the ship. I actually didn't realise the ship hadn't been named until now. Yeah, so, I mean, as you'll be aware, the Pacific um, Adventure and Pacific Encounter were mm-hmm. both due to join the, the fleet during the crew shutdown, yeah. and they both kind of um, arrived in Australia um, after having been laid up. So the, the original, I think, plan was, would have been to have um, them come one after another, um, spaced out quite a lot more during that, that year yep. between 2020 and 2022. Um but they both ended up being laid up in Singapore and then given refits in Singapore before mm-hmm. the cruising resumed. And then pretty quickly, in quick succession, it was just several months apart, you had um, Encounter arrive first and then Adventure arrive second. So mm-hmm. it was a, an opportunity for the ship's godmother, um, who for anyone in Australia will probably remember um, Ricky Lee, uh, mm-hmm. one of the um, Australian sort of um, musical artists, um, mm-hmm. but international listeners. She was, I think, I think she started her career on um, Australian Idol, maybe. Yeah, Something it was one like of those that. talent shows. Yeah, yeah, um, and she was she was named the the godmother, and it was a bit of a different um, christening ceremony because uh, you you know you heard the audio of her thoughts about being um, godmother of the ship, but then she did the blessing. Um, of the ship and they actually had somebody standing nearby who had champagne and used a because a very fancy way of sort of popping the champagne cork off oh yeah and yep. then there was a tower of glasses um like a pyramid yeah, and yep, yep. ricky lee was pouring into the, the champagne into the top one and it was spilling over into the other ones and they went through about three bottles of champagne before i think um I think her arm tired out. <laughs> um, and so, yes, it wasn't the, the traditional um, champagne on the on the bow kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we've seen, even since we've been doing the podcast, Baz, that uh, cruise lines are doing christening slightly differently mm. for different occasions. So yeah. this was one of those special occasions, I suppose. Yeah, fair play. No, uh, well done. Nice little surprise. I didn't see that one coming. Or I honestly just thought it had happened in the background somewhere and we hadn't been a, a fanfare of, uh, of mm. any description, but uh, yeah, good on them. Yeah. Now we've got a couple of listener questions, mate. So they came in via the website over the week. And just a reminder to the listeners, if they do have a question, send it in via the website, the big cruise podcast.com mm. and click on join the show to send those through. Now the first one came in from Meredith. Now Meredith, you didn't say where you were uh, asking this question from, but mm. you asked, what is the difference between a Holland America line collector's voyage and a legendary journey. Now, I do mm. know the answer to this, Chris, but do you? Well, I think you're, you're probably the one who's most qualified to to teach me something, Baz. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, think one of the, I think they're both longer journeys, but what, what are the differences? Yeah, well, there's actually three. Um, Meredith, there's a, an additional one, which I'll touch off on as well. So collectors are referred to as a collector of ports, or somebody that wants to do a longer voyage and collect lots of ports in the process. Mm. They tend to be popular in the Mediterranean and Northern Europe. 
Um, and they tend to be back-to-back cruises of about 12 to 14 nights in duration. So it, it makes a nice 22, 24, 28-day cruise. Um, and they are very, very popular with that Australians. Nice. But yeah. you may repeat a port of call, but it's highly unlikely. Um, and it's not necessarily always a round-trip cruise. So it could be a Athens to Rome and then a Rome to Barcelona, or it could be a round-trip Rome going around the Eastern Med and then a round-trip Rome going around the Western Med. And that's mm. generally what a collector's voyage is. Okay. Journeys is a longer voyage, generally about 22 days to 20, sorry, 22 to 59 days, generally a round trip and normally out of North America. But having said that, there are a couple of uh, journey voyages um, which are out of Singapore and also out of Sydney. Um, so they are very much regionally focused um, on the, the itinerary that they're doing with that one. And then we have Grand Voyages, mm. which uh, most people refer to as a world voyage or part of a world voyage. The Grand Voyage, the biggest Grand Voyage is always the world voyage, which is about 100 to 120 days normally in duration, generally departs in January. And then they have a, a series of Grand Voyages, which are about 60-ish days. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be around South America and Antarctica, uh, Grand Africa, and um, there's actually a grand Australia, New Zealand, which departs San Diego. Um, so that's mm. the the three key differences. And then, of course, you've got traditional voyages, which uh, are available as well. So yeah, collectors, okay. journeys, and grand voyages. So journeys almost like in duration, sort of like half of a world cruise almost. Uh, in terms of the length, fifty nine days. Yeah. Yeah, 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 about there. Yeah, twenty twenty ish days up to fifty nine days, but they they tend to be in that forty. Uh, day duration is uh, the majority of them and then yeah, yeah you've got okay. your grains you go. so hmm. so i hope that and helps fort, Lauder- fort, fort lauderdale or san diego so these grand voyages generally they start and finish in the states yeah and they're generally for people that don't want to fly they want to see a particular destination or the whole world without having to uh, to take a yeah, flight to do so okay. yeah fantastic hmm. Goodness. There you go. Now, we have got another question, Chris. This one came in for you. And <laughs> uh, this is really spooky because you sent me your the subject of your video for this weekend. And it was actually the subject of this question that had landed earlier in the week. Yes. So, um, Chris, how do you weigh a ship? I can't imagine a crane would pick up, say, Celebrity Edge and weigh it. So what do they do to weigh a ship? And what does GRT really mean? And sorry, that came in from Sebastian. Sebastian, yes. Well, Baz, have you watched the video? I haven't actually, no. Then I have a fact or fiction for you. Oh, really? I should have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. Yeah, hit me with it. Are, are you are you ready? Yes, go for it. Fact or fiction? Fiction. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so, to answer Sebastian's question, which links in very nicely with the uh, fact or fiction, GRT or gross registered tonnage fact. is both not in use anymore. Oh, really? And secondly, was never <laughs> the international standard. So this is something really interesting, and I used to get this modelled up too. But at the moment, so why do we why do we display it on deck plans? We ships don't. Then? We shouldn't. We should be displaying gross. Um, tonnage, gross tonnage, without the word registered. They are two different measurements. Ah. So we should be displaying GT on deck plans yep. and on blogs and all that sort of thing yep. and websites and um, articles for any ship that we're referring to post-1982 uh, and for a lot of ships between 1969 and 1982, you'll also see um, them uh, registered uh, or um, indicated as gross 
tonnage, GT. Mm-hmm. Gross register tonnage was actually a British um, measurement. It was uh, devised oh. by the uh, Mawson Commission um, back in the 18, uh, late 1840s, 1849, and it attempted to create a standard for ship um, size uh, measurements. And it was um, taken up by the British Board of Trade, which was a leading um, body in uh, shipping um, standards uh, throughout the British Empire. So most of the British um, colonies and countries associated with Great Britain used GRT, um, gross register tonnage, and many other countries also used a variant of it um, or their own versions of it, but it was based on the imperial system of measurements. So there's various versions of the imperial system. Of course, the American and British imperial system are slightly different, so it actually is quite difficult to do a precise like-for-like comparison of ships from that era. This was such a problem that in the 1960s, they, um, through the International Maritime Organization, which is a United Nations organization, um, looked at standardizing shipping measurements, and that is where gross tonnage, GT, was was born. And in 1969, a, a convention was passed that gave a 12-year grace period for all countries that were signatories to transition across to GT as their main uh, measure for ships. So wow. – um, you would see from 1969 through to 1980 was it was actually from 69 to 82 was the grace period but the the dates didn't the the months didn't exactly line up to 12 years but um (laughs) it was close enough and um you will see some ships that were launched in the in the late 50 uh, sorry late 60s and into the 1970s that might be advertised in grt gross register tonnage and then Mm -hmm. um you'll see them change to um, GT gross tonnage and the measurement will change because they're different measures. The gross tonnage measurement is actually based on a, a metric measurement. Now, as Sebastian says, they don't pick up the ship on a crane. They don't actually weigh it <laughs> because the gross tonnage and gross register tonnage before it are not weight measurements. They are volume measurements, and they're a measurement based on the internal volume, um, the enclosed internal volume of a of a ship and there's actually a calculation that that you use to work out um, gross tonnage and it is a mind-bending piece of mathematics um, that has a <laughs> logarithmic um, uh, scale that they use for it so um, I actually have the 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 uh, formula in the video I, I'm not a mathematician so I didn't I don't do the math. I just look at the numbers. <laughs> um, but basically, it's not the weight of the ship. So you can work out the weight of a ship based on its displacement. This, again, yep. doesn't require you to put the ship in a um, on the set of scales. You, you can um, use Archimedes' principle to work out the weight of the ship by doing a calculation based on the displacement of the, of the vessel. Um, but the important thing for us to know now is that, and I, I've done it in videos, I've slapped myself in the face, you know, just recently, big uh, face palm moment, um, because I did this beautiful, mm-hmm. I thought, beautiful video of Queen Mary to a great tour of the ship. It's performing really well on YouTube. This fantastic aerial view opener of the ship taken from a drone. And I say, 
She's 149,200 gross registered tons. Oh, Chris, why did you put registered in there? Because we're so used <laughs> to talking GRT because you hear all the historic ships being referred to in gross registered tonnage. Titanic always talked about in gross registered tonnage. But today it's gross tonnage. Different measurement completely. All the ships in the world now are being measured in gross tonnage. Um, and it is a volume-based measure. It is not a weight-based measure. So this is why we can have a ship like, um, I don't know, the uh, Pacific uh, Adventure, which we were talking about before, which is mm -hmm. um, 109,000 gross tons, much, much bigger than a ship like, say, QE2, which was 70,327 gross tons. But QE2 mm -hmm. was actually a longer ship. But if yep. you look at Pacific adventure she's much much bulkier and it's the bulk yep. of the ship because of the internal, internal exactly space. the internal space the, the internal um, volume now we also have net tonnage and net registered tonnage both associated with their uh, with their counterparts so net tonnage is the current measure um, and net registered tonnage was the old measure and that measures the internal enclosed volume of the cargo carrying space on board the ship so ah. we don't really have to think about that for passenger ships so much. You can get the measure yep. and you will see it sometimes listed in uh, Wikipedia articles. But for pa for passenger ships, we're really looking at gross tonnage. G GT. I have been so guilty of using GRT for all my working career. Oh, Baz, I, I, I've done it in, in articles and on um, uh, and videos. I, I've, when I did a deep dive into this because you see the thing is I, when I've been posting these videos, th there's a, there's one particular um, viewer who, who used to be an officer on board the Cunard ships who will regularly make um, corrections for me when I said, said gross tonnage <laughs> um, incorrectly. And so I, I was thinking to myself, I don't quite understand what I'm doing wrong. And then of course I, I did this deep dive in it for this video and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. And um, fortunately we, we've also just been, we've just been working on um, two new books and um, uh, the P and O photographic history, second edition and our um, evolution of the passenger ship and, and going through that and making sure that they're absolutely um, perfect with the tonnage. And when this, when the ch changeover happened, it was perfect timing to, to, to get this sort of <laughs> um, reminder because uh those two, those two books will be spot on, <laughs> um, which is good. But you know, like uh, a lot of people do it. Um, you've obviously you'll see it in, and in fact, even some of the shipping lines, cruise lines do it by accident, I think as well. But it's it's definitely the international standard measure is definitely gross tons GT. Pick that up every time I see it. Now, well done, mate. Well, I should say gross tonnage, gross tonnage, not gross tons, gross tonnage. <laughs> love it. Love your work, mate. It's awesome. And uh, thank you for that little uh, question, Sebastian, and very timely given that you had actually just prepared all that video. So uh, look out for that video on the YouTube channel, of course. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is um, spooky. <laughs> Let's take a, a short break, mate, and then we'll come back with this week's cruise news. 
Head over to Facebook now and hit the like button. Okay, Chris, there isn't an awful lot of cruise news this week, but there's a lot of detail around the cruise news. So once again, there is. listeners, if you do have any particular thoughts or want to deep dive a little bit further, jump into the show notes of episode 152 and you'll find a lot more information. And uh, let's kick this one off with the latest news from Seaborn. They've announced that uh, Seaborn Pursuit, which is their new luxury uh, expedition vessel, is going to redefine ultra-luxury expedition. Yeah, absolutely. And she's one of their yacht-like small ships, Baz, so it would have a a relatively Mm. low uh, gross tonnage. See how I did that? (laughs) (laughs) I did. <laughs> good segue. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yes, I mean, there's favorites um, from the the ship's going to have the the Seaborn Square and the club, which are um, sort of common across the ex- existing um, yeah. Seaborn ships. But they're also going to introduce um, things that are you know special for this particular class of ship, like the bow lounge and the expedition lounge as well. Yeah, and even the Discovery Center, which kind of doubles as a, a multi-purpose venue during the day. It's uh, where you can learn more about the natural environment mm. that you're, you're traveling and uh, discovering, and then by evening it turns into an entertainment function. Yeah. And, of course, this uh, this beautiful little ship is setting sail for the very first time in August of 2023, so mm. just around the corner, 12th of August. She's going to do a couple of voyages around the Med, and then she's going to head across the Atlantic, where on the 10th of October she'll be arriving into Barbados, and from there she'll then just transit and continue on down to South America, through the Amazon, onto Antarctica. She'll then come across the South Pacific and arrive into Australia. Mm. And I'd forgotten, actually, she's going to be spending her, uh, her first season in the, the Kimberley. Yeah, it's, it's superb. And looking at these um, sort of uh, features on the ship, I mean, the, the bow lounge that we mentioned before, it's located on the forward end of Deck 6, um, and it has you know, superb views, obviously, but they've also uh, implemented a series of technological features inside it. They're going to have touch screens that show where the ship is located. They'll have navigational charts on display, scientific information um, displayed so that you can, you know, put some science behind some of the things that you're seeing in terms of what's um, where the ship is sailing to. And then they also have the Constellation Lounge, which is on the top of, uh, of the ship, and it gives a 270-degree uh, view above the top of the vessel um, to, again, allow people to really have a good, um, you know, perspective of the unique expedition locations that the ship is going to be visiting. Excellent. Love it. Well done, uh, Seaborn. Now, we're staying with Carnival family for the next bit of news as well. Uh, Princess have actually announced, and they've done this a couple of times, actually, they've announced further mm-hmm. enhancements to the uh, Plus and Premier fares. So uh, for those of you that are not familiar with Princess, they have Princess Standard, which is your cruise-only fare. They have Princess Plus, which gives you some bonus inclusions. Mm-hmm. And they have Premier, which pretty much covers most things on board. But this time they've added in some uh, some new inclusions, which are mostly focused around dining. Um, again, mm-hmm. Lots of information here, so do refer back to the show notes. But I'm just going to jump down to say that uh, more casual dining is included at no additional cost. So we've got mm-hmm. venues like Vines, Salty Dog Pub, O'Malley's, Ocean Terrace, Planks, mm. Steamers, Alfredo's, and Gigi's. Now, obviously, they're not all available on every single ship, um, mm-hmm. but the, the cover charges will now be uh, removed if you are traveling on a plus or premier fare. Yeah. And then we also have uh, Ocean Now, which is an on-demand location delivery service. There was a one-time activation fee of fourteen ninety-nine per guest. Mm. If you're on Plus or Premier, that is obviously avoided. Mm-hmm. Uh, room service charges are also waived if you're on Plus or Premier. And they're also um, having uh, some green line access, assuming that you have completed all of your online um, 
pre-embarkation mm-hmm. information beforehand, uh, you can normally uh, pay a $10 fee to go through the green lane. But if you're on Plus or Premier, that is waived once again. Yeah, that sounds good. And they've also, you know, bear in mind as well, as a Princess Traveller, you do have access to, um, you know, a range of complimentary dining options as well. Um, so there's still, you know, the, the buffet-style oh, yeah. food. There's the market, the Horizons Court, um, International Cafe, poolside offerings at the Slice um, as well. So you can have these extra offerings at this reduced um, fair, uh, rate, rather, as Baz has mentioned, but you can also uh, indulge in all of the included offerings as well. Yeah, exactly. And just to give you an idea, um, if you did want to to upgrade to Premier, sorry, to Plus, um, you're looking at $60 per person. Now, admittedly, these rates that we've got here are in Australian dollars. I assume they are similar for for elsewhere in the world. And then Princess Premier is $80 per person per day. But check out the show notes because it tells you exactly what's included in each of those for each um, uh, upgrade there. Mm. Now, once again, staying with Convo Court, mate, we're heading to Europe this time with our Italian friends at Costa. They've announced a second voyage for their Costa Club, or the Sea Club, which is a a rewards cruise for their their top-tier sailors, a font for a better word. And they're off to uh, Tunisia, mate. Yes, they are. Costa Favolosa. Um, we leaving from Civitavecchia, which is, of course, is the port to Rome and sailing off to uh, Tunisia. There's some pretty cool ports mm. here, Baz. Cartagena yeah, there is. in Spain. Uh, you've got Casablanca in Morocco. So some pretty cool places to visit. And uh, this is part of their um, program for their Sea Club or their loyalty program members. And I think more and more cruise lines are now starting to tap into the uh, pr- potential of the loyalty clubs. You've seen such growth of them across airlines and uh, and hotels over the last uh, decade or so. And um, you don't really hear too much of it from the cruise lines, but I think they're going to start tapping into that. Yeah, definitely. And a few little extra touches they've got on board. They've got some special guests. Uh, Tony Hadley, who was the mm-hmm. former Spandau Ballet lead singer, will be performing and uh, offering uh, photo opportunities with the guests. They've also got a six-star Michelin chef, Helene Dallos is mm-hmm. going to be on board, along with uh, lots of different uh, activities and events that will take place throughout the voyage, which, as you mentioned there, Chris, is departing uh, 23 September of this year on yeah. Costa Fabulosa. And apparently there's going to be a very memorable welcome party. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they all? Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I would say, actually. And they've got um, fun, fun play and uh, <laughs> arts activities, lessons in traditional local painting and decorating. So they've kind of taken it from that um, traditional sort of um, welcome on board to to really sort of enhance the cruise voyage. Excellent. Now, some news out of Holland America, but particularly for Australia, uh, Pub Choir. I got very excited when I saw this. I was thinking initially it was Choir of Man, but it's, a, mm. I guess, a, a similar but different concept. Pub Choir is going to be performing on board the Nordam on a local sailing between Australia and New Zealand, or actually the reverse, mm-hmm. <laughs> New Zealand to Australia, um, on 27th of January, 2024. Yeah, so this um, Pub Choir, they are a recent recipient of the Medal of the Order of Australia, which is... Um, one of Australia's highest uh, honours. It gets um, announced each year. I think it is the mm. the um, Order of Australia, and you have to be pretty special to to get um, considered for such a, an accolade. Um, and I think it's interesting. This is uh, going to be performed in Nordam's Rolling Stone Lounge, Baz. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be three performances, and basically, um, the uh, director of music will. Um, help and assist the the audience participation and uh basically 
over the course of the three performances will uh, improve their singing capabilities, I guess, is what they're, they're trying mm. to achieve. But apparently it's done in a very, very light-hearted way and is actually getting rave reviews. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see this rolling out on mm. uh, additional sailings as well. Yeah. Um, so that is the Nordan 14-day sailing, 27th of January, 2024. Wow. Now, uh, another little bit of news out of Carnival itself this week, Chris. Carnival Jubilee has received its iconic funnel. Yes. Oh, the uh, the whale tail has had a long, long history and heritage. Just another thing we've learned quite a lot about when we've been researching um, the oh, evolution really? of the passenger ship because the, the whale tail funnel, interesting little um, piece of maritime history here, um, was actually designed by Carnival um, designer Joe Farkas, who was um, instrumental in the creation of the um, – a sort of entertainment architecture style that was used on board Carnival, particularly during the 1980s, 1990s, and yep. early 2000s. And it isn't just there for decoration. Um, it was actually an idea that he had to make the ship stand out amongst all of the other cruise ships. And this, of course, was when they were developing um, Tropicale back in the 1980s. Mm. But in wind tunnel testing, it actually proved that it dispersed the the emissions away from the ship's after decks much more effectively than a traditional funnel design. So there uh-huh. was some there was some resistance to it by traditionalists, obviously. And then when he was able to prove that the funnel is, was also effective, it was both uh, memorable but a very effective design, it was taken up by Carnival and has been used ever since, with the exception, of course, of our of um of the uh, the Carnival ships that have been borrowed from costa but all the other ones in the fleet all the ones mm. that have been built for carnival wear the the whale tail so carnival jubilee is the latest member of the fleet she's um, had hers installed at the uh, shipyard in uh, mayerwerft in papenburg across in germany and um, the ship really looks now like a carnival ship she certainly does and i had no idea that joe farkas was the inspiration for that i knew that he was from, uh, famous for the whimsical interiors of the fleet mm. but uh, not yeah. for any of the actual structural sites of the, the no. ship so yeah and i think joe, if well, my memory serves me correctly i think he received quite a lot of resistance from the traditional sort of architects and, and naval architects because you know wow. it was because he wasn't a, sh- a ship exterior designer um but as i say it he put his money where his mouth was that went into the wind tunnel and there was just this remarkable result because i mean Nor- norway <laughs> uh, uh, france rather had used something similar uh, the ss france with the with the wings on the funnel to disperse the um the smoke and soot away but the the whale tail it was on those original ships it was really tall as well so it took it really high up and then of course that um sort of t on the cro- on the top there with the the smoke yep. comes out the sides it just dispersed it so nicely that they decided not only is it super memorable, but it um, it does the job better than a traditional funnel does. Excellent. Love it. Well done. Mm. And of course, uh, Carnival Jubilee will be sailing from Galveston and her first cruise will be departing 23 December of this year, heading down to the Western Caribbean with stops in Cozumel, Costa Maya yeah. and Mahogany Bay in Rotan. Uh, Next up, we're talking celebrity cruises and Celebrity Ascent in particular, and they're Mm. telling us about some of the uh, new flavors and culinary experiences that are coming on this next ship. Yes, so she's got a um, whole heap of um, interesting uh, additions to the ship, uh, redesigned restaurant offerings. Uh, Particularly, they're going to have a a new partnership with the uh, Whistle Pig Whiskey um, Co., and they'll be um, serving that on board the ship as well. They've also got a... A seven-course plant-based 
they call it a tasting menu at Eden. But it's interesting to see more and more uh, companies mm. now taking on feedback to have plant-based offerings on the menu. And in fact, yep. interestingly enough, just for a side note here, I was recently flying back from from Sydney from for that um, the P and O event, and Qantas had a plant-based offering on its menu. And I was very oh. surprised to see that on an airline as well. So there you go. Um, but back to Celebrity, they've got um, an outdoor terrace space. at uh, It's called Blue, B-L-U. Um, there's a, a new dish they're offering um, at the Fine Cut Steakhouse, the Lemon Poached Lobster Tail. Um, mm. And they've got, of course, their um, award-winning wine selection as well, Baz. <laughs> you know the uh, the martini bar on this class of ship has a kale martini and apparently it's really? very very popular oh wow i wonder wouldn't mm. have known that there you go <laughs> now uh, let's head oh we're gonna head back to Holland america yeah their pr team's earning their money today aren't they <laughs> <laughs> They uh, they've announced that uh, they're introducing a forty two day ultimate mm. Mediterranean Atlantic passage cruise. Now I'm guessing this is going to be classed as a journey, um, mm. and this was inspired by a voyage of more than a century ago. Yes, yeah, so this one is uh, on board the Volendam, and it's departing on the 9th of November, twenty twenty four. And as you say, it's um, retracing. Um, a, a voyage that departed New York back in 1925 aboard the fourth Rotterdam, so quite a long time mm. ago. And um, this, of course, um, that ship itself carried 550 passengers across the Atlantic to explore explore many of these same ports. And this 2024 voyage will carry a few few more people than that, I think, um, on board. About 1,200 uh, on the Volendam, Volendam, Volendam. Yeah, 1,200, about double. And, uh, of course, that includes visits in Portugal, Morocco, Italy, Greece, Israel, Egypt, Tunisia, Gibraltar, and Spain. I love how they keep weaving back some of their uh, some of their history into mm. their celebrations. Oh, I love it too, absolutely. I mean, when you know, when not to keep harping on, but when we've been looking at the, the history of, of the cruises industry just recently, you know, Holland America has – as rich a history as, as any brand, it's been it's been around since the dawn of ocean liners. Um, it didn't always operate under the name Holland America, but there's a, a distinct lineage all the way back to the original founding company, um, and it's just great to see them re- reconnecting with their heritage. P and O, of course, reconnecting with their heritage recently, but again had been there since the first steamships and were were instrumental in developing um, the passenger shipping market. You've also seen like cruising brands like Carnival recently celebrating their anniversaries. Um, you know, Norwegian Cruise Line even is starting to mm-hmm. um, sort of tie in some of the connections with their pioneering um, voyages that they did during the early years of cruising. Uh, Princess, it was interesting just when I was traveling on Princess with, with Princess Cruises on Coral Princess, a lot of the crew there know the story of the first ship, uh, Princess mm-hmm. Patricia, and remember the the founder by name um stanley of <laughs> course stanley mcdonald so it was interesting just to just to hear that that they, they're teaching them this stuff about the history and then of course lines like cunard which which trade very heavily on it but um for a maritime yeah. historian baz it makes me very happy oh good mate good, good news <laughs> it's nice something does eh? <laughs> <laughs> now uh, unusually chris our system that we record on is time is giving us a time limit this week i don't know why we literally yeah. have 60 seconds left to wrap things well, up there so we go just give your uh, YouTube channel a quick plug yet again. I know you've got that cracking video, but there's obviously a massive archive there. Yeah, it's Chris Frame Official on YouTube, but just check it out in the show notes. Baz will put the link there. 
Awesome. Sounds good, mate. Now, you're not around next week, so it'll be me flying solo. Um, and then uh, we've got some guests that have recorded a couple of uh, reviews. So I'm going to be weaving those in over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, you enjoy your week off, mate, and we will catch Thank up you. very, very soon. Sounds good. See you in two weeks, everyone. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.